From filming home videos in North Alabama in the 80s to having the likes of Twisted Sister reach out to you because of one of your 80 YouTube channels that you're now monetizing on, today's guest is going to talk about user-generated and low-budget content and how effective it can be to drive traffic to a monetizable source or to an e-commerce product. It's going to be a great episode. Make sure to listen to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey guys, Bradley Sutton from Helium 10 here. Quick message. If you're an FBA business owner, you've maybe put thousands of hours of hard work into growing your business. But what happens when you've grown it as much as you can and you don't have the time or resources to take it to that next level? Well, that's where Thrasio comes in. They acquire category-leading FBA brands from small business owners just like you. They've got the experience of acquiring over 125 Amazon businesses, and they've seen it all when it comes to managing and growing an Amazon brand. So if you're thinking about selling your FBA business, visit Thrasio.com forward slash Helium 10 to connect with Thrasio's deals team. That's Thrasio.com, T-H-R-A-S-I-O.com forward slash Helium 10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. Today, we are talking about content. No matter how you are related to e-commerce or digital marketing or online sales, content is king. You have to have content. If you don't have content, people don't watch your stuff. Even the best commercials you know, during the Super Bowl are all about something witty, funny, or emotional. It all has to be about content. But not all of us, actually probably none of us, can afford to create Super Bowl commercials, right? And we look at the places that we're staring at content. Now it's typically our cell phones, whether it's, you know, social media or blogging or, you know, whatever we're looking at. There's a lot of really, really high-end, professionally done, expensive content out there. And if you're, uh, you know, fledgling solopreneur, if you're getting started in digital marketing or e-commerce, you, you might not have the budget for these really, really polished pieces of uh, information. The good news is you don't always need that. There is a really big push right now for user-generated content and very low-budget content and like homemade content, right? Because people see that as authentic and they see it as intriguing and they want to watch that. So there's a lot of uh, really good evidence to support that. So today's guest is a very interesting one because I've known this guy for what, like four years now, maybe close to five. And his name is Eric Fullerton. And Eric Fullerton actually works for me with the private label Legion business. And he has been, uh, you know, one of the employees that I think I've had around the longest just because one, we can't afford to get rid of him. But two, uh, maybe he's a sucker for punishment, right? Like he, he loves taking on these big projects. But he is typically in the office here with me, uh, actually two doors or two walls down from the studio that we're sitting in right now. And for this episode, he's actually back at his house in his dungeon, in his basement, in his studio, because aside from working with me and the team, he has been creating content for darn near 30 years now, 
right? So I want to talk about that. It's a, it's a crazy story. There's some really cool stuff here. And then because he's been creating content for 30 years and he has uh, somewhat of an expertise in a lot of formats and a lot of platforms, we're going to talk about some really relatable, but very useful and current and up-to-date advice for putting out, especially video content. So welcome, Eric, to the AMPM podcast. Hi, awesome to be here. Is it weird that you're here? Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I think for like the past year, year and a half, you know, every week I walk into his office, I'm like, hey man, go easy on the bandwidth. I'm filming the podcast. He's like, all right. And then I walk into his office, I'm like, hey man, can you be on the podcast? He's like, I don't know. This is super, super bizarre. But um, anyways, glad you're here. Now, aside from working with me, I told everybody, uh, just seconding Eric, that you do a lot of other stuff. Can you give us a really high level of you know, some of the stuff you're currently working on now with different projects? Yeah, I, I guess um, uh, mostly video, of course. That's my passion of 30 plus years, but also uh, graphic design uh, and some programming and uh, uh, anything that has to do with computers. I'm not a physical guy at all. I've never been into sports. I can't even fix a broken door, but uh, if if it's on the computer, I can do it. So that's uh, yeah, first and foremost, but, uh, anything creative, um, you know, as a, as a, as a kid, I'd got into video and graphics kind of at the same time. Um, and, and right uh, now you're currently operating uh, different podcasts. You're doing a bunch of freelance work for different people, right? Like you've got a bunch of cool stuff going on. You, uh, you produce music for Spotify. Right. Yeah. So I'm also a musician. Uh, <laughs> my, my mother was a, p- a piano teacher growing up and she taught me early on. So on the side of, you know, all my computer based things, I started playing piano and then guitar and then lots of instruments. So I started composing my own music and selling it on Spotify and iTunes. And then I started getting some gigs doing uh, sound effects and composing for video games. So I still do that on the side too. <laughs> so you've done everything from, um, you know, major, major name, uh, video game, uh, soundtrack production to you've helped, you know, work with places like Pixar, right? Uh, I, w- I worked with Disney once. With Disney, not Pixar, yes, but Disney. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk a little about your story, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's really a good place to get started with how this, you know, kind of hobby turned so valuable now. And where I want to actually start off with is your music videos, right? So for those of you listening, Eric came into my office like a year ago and he's like, Hey, something cool happened. I said, well, okay, what happened? He's like, uh, this famous rock star just mentioned me. I'm like, well, why is that? And he's like, because back in like 1988, I was making music videos when I was 13 years old or something with my buddy uh, with one of those like 300 pound video cameras that you run on your shoulder and I'm releasing them on YouTube. So let's get to that in a second, but talk about when you first got started into videos and then we'll work all the way up to that. That can kind of into that story. Right. So in the mid eighties, I uh, got a black and white surveillance camera from my dad. He had found it in the back of a closing Kmart in, in the dumpster. <laughs> and they were getting rid of all of their security cameras. And he's like, oh, that's kind of cool. So he grabbed one. Maybe the kids would like it. So he got home. He's an electrical engineer. So he figured out how to power it up and get it hooked up to the TV. And that I just uh, that was it for me. I lost it. I was like, this is what I want to do forever. And uh, just kind of recorded onto the VHS and recorded little videos and little things like that. And 
just got better and better at it. Uh, and, and now, um, what Tim was talking about with the music videos is like, I'm starting to finally put my old eighties videos on YouTube and then people will notice them, uh, like Metallica, Twisted Sister, uh, lots of different bands. Because when I was a kid, me and my, my best friend, Daryl, we used to like headbang and do like metal videos and stuff. And of course you can, you can put this stuff on YouTube. You get, you know, copyright, uh, warning, but you can't make any money at it, but we just do it for fun. And these videos went viral. And now we have a really big channel with just home movies and stories of, of, of old. <laughs> so these are videos that you recorded back in the eighties and you literally had like on tape still in a box somewhere. Yes. And one yeah, day, uh, I'm going to strip this out. I'm going to digitally edit this and I'm going to make a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the videos can be monetized. So we're actually making pretty decent money uh, with our childhood videos. <laughs> and this is just one of your YouTube channels, right? Yes. Yep. So how many YouTube channels in the past have you owned or currently own? So I think I've had around 80 or so. Um and uh, I know that because I, I keep a list of all of the old defunct ones that I don't check on anymore. And then I have lists of current ones and I have lists of anyway, of all types of different topics. So, uh, you know, some are learning, some are just stri strictly um, scripted, some are automated. Uh, we can talk about that uh, in a bit. Uh, and some are music based and uh, just all types of different, different things. And some, uh, a lot of most of them, I would say, are, are um, experiments, of course, and then I'll have you know one that I'm really focused on, which is my '80s channel right now. Um, but one thing that's kind of fun to experiment with is uh, batching, where you record a bunch of content, edit it all up, and then just um, uh, schedule it to be released. So you can get a whole year's content over, I don't know, just work on getting, uh, say 50 videos. Uh, let's see how many weeks are in a year, 50, 52. So, so make 52 videos. And then when you're done with that, schedule them to release once a week and then just walk away. And you have a, uh, you know, you have a YouTube channel that appears to be pretty active, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this for a second. You've, you started off with a, black and white surveillance camera, right? And now you've migrated up to having 80 YouTube channels, which are obviously all video and, and videos, what you're doing. You now understand what's going on in the e-com world, right? Like I, I know that you had a little bit of experience before we got started together, but now you have a lot better idea of like what's actually happening here. So what I would like to do in the rest of this episode is let's talk to the e-commerce sellers. Like, you know, you know, who the members of our groups are, you know, who the followers are, you know, who the audience is, right? Let's talk about how we can use low budget, easy to produce media or, or assets to reach the masses. All right. That's what I want to start tackling. So I'm going to ask you just a bunch of random questions. We'll see where it goes from there. Right. YouTube, 80 channels. Why YouTube? Because there's TikTok, there's Instagram reels, there's all these other formats. YouTube is one of the older you know, media platforms with the internet. Why is YouTube still relevant today? YouTube is the second largest search engine. Uh, so the exposure on YouTube is unparalleled. So if, if you want to be exposed to the most of the people, uh, you go to YouTube. 
um, that that would be that would be probably the um, that would be the number one reason for me above monetization because you can make money on Facebook or TikTok. So when you say it's uh, it's a search engine, essentially it's a place you can enter something and it produces a result. So this is why if I go to Google and type uh, best trolling motor for my boat, my top six results are probably YouTube reviews of trolling motors, right? Right. Because YouTube is now owned by Google. So search engine, you know, keyword relevancy, all that stuff's popping up. So because people are going there, you said we can monetize. And the reason you like to monetize on YouTube, correct me if I'm wrong, is because it has much more traffic than anywhere else, right? And it's kind of organic traffic. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people talk about YouTube being evergreen. Like explain what an evergreen channel or evergreen platform is. I guess something that uh, holds relevance forever <laughs> or or doesn't have such the ability to, um, to go out of style so quickly. Um, so something that is uh, like a learning, learning how to uh, repair your house. Excellent. I mean, you'll always have a house. You'll always have broken stuff um, as opposed to something else like say, uh, okay, I had one of these, a Minecraft channel, <laughs> right? Minecraft is a hugely popular game. And of course it'll die out because it's one topic. It's, it's one uh, consumable thing. Right, just like doing a a TV or a movie show uh, channel. Um, so and yeah, so an evergreen is good unless you can transition from something that's not evergreen onto something else that's not evergreen. But then you're always chasing the trends, and there's a lot of channels like that that just chase chase the trends and hope that you're always relevant. And that uh, that's not a good thing. So in e-commerce, we see a lot of YouTube relevant uh, to affiliate marketing, right? In influencer marketing. If I have a product that I want to sell and I want to use a, a YouTube marketer or, or YouTube influencer to push that, what you're telling me is instead of targeting a trend, like if I'm selling cabinet hardware, I don't want to target videos related to the best, you know, whatever the color is, stainless steel cabinet poles. I want to target channels that focus on how to upgrade your kitchen. Is that what you're saying? Uh, right. Yeah. A more of a broad topic that uh, it's, and that gets into more of a, um, a subscribable channel too, because uh, a channel that is, has a, a broad evergreen subject will most, will more likely have content that will relate to you because of that big thing. So if it's only about repairing cabinets, meh. once you're done with the project, you're done with the project. You move on. You don't need to subscribe. Uh, you know, but it, but if it's about repairing everything, if it, and, and of course it has a good personality, the guy seems passionate about what he's doing. That's all pluses too. Uh, so yeah, you would always want to be more broad with your evergreen type things. So I just mentioned, of course, we can monetize, you know, by pushing product sales through influencer marketing and through affiliates. But what are the primary ways of of monetizing on YouTube? And, and I ask you this because so many of our listeners are not dead set on only doing e-commerce products. Like we're just trying to make money, right? We're trying to run businesses. We're trying to have some fun. We're trying to, to create some income. And a lot of times as we're creating content for a Facebook ad or for Instagram Reels ad for a product, you know, we already have the capabilities to create content that maybe might generate revenue in another way like YouTube. So can you explain like how a typical content creator like yourself with 80 channels actually gets paid from YouTube? 
Yeah. So, uh, so YouTube didn't always let you monetize. Uh, they launched in 2005 and in 2009, they had their first monetization that popped up called the YouTube partner program. You had to sign up for it and you had to do a lot of paperwork. It was pretty complicated, but they allowed you to, uh, put approved ads on your channel on your videos, and then you get paid per click or pay per view, you know, of your, of the uh, commercials that are placed on your videos. It's still done like that. Uh, although now it's a lot smarter because you can, um, you can, you, you know what the, uh, the, the, uh, CPM is the, the cost per milli, uh, for each topic. So if you want more money, then you're going to do, um, uh, channels about finance finances and how to make money channels because the CPM is literally higher for that. And they tell you that YouTube lets you know that. So if you would like to have more money then and you know what you're talking about, then do a channel like that. Also real estate is good too. Uh, so kind of know, know the industry before you step in, but really that's the one way that you make money is, um, you, you, you allow them to place ads on your, on your content and, but you don't have control over that. You just say, put ads on there. I trust you, YouTube. Hopefully it's not going to be too bad, but just put them on my videos. Yeah. I've seen people that have, you know, like a, a coaching program and their competitors commercials pop up on their videos. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> so what we're talking about folks is if you, if you create a video and you meet some certain metrics and you can turn on monetization on YouTube, then your video gets interrupted in the middle or it has uh, an ad at the front. And what's interesting about this is you don't, if I'm running an ad, I don't always have to uh, pay for that ad, right, Eric? Because don't you have to like watch a certain percentage of that ad? Explain what that is. Right. Um, yeah, th there's a certain time limit that just, it's free, <laughs> you know, for the, for the advertiser. Uh, so if, if an audience doesn't watch it beyond uh, 10 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever the threshold that it, it literally changes every week, they change it a lot. Um, then you don't, no one gets paid. No one spends any money. Um, but uh, if they watch past the threshold, then you're rewarded some money. If someone clicks on it, uh, which is usually like a CTA style, uh, the advertiser, um, you know, puts in what, what the, what the link is, that's going to be clickable, then even more money is exchanged. Uh, Which so. is interesting from both sides. Cause if you're creating content, you can get paid for having people watch your content. But also I believe, and I think Eric believes that YouTube is one of the places, the best places to advertise products now, because you can focus on niches. You can focus on specific keywords that you want to advertise to, but also you can start running an ad. And if somebody clicks off the ad before it hits that threshold, you don't get charged. So talk to me about trends on YouTube. All right. Right now, there's so many things to study. There's so many things to learn. Like we have to learn all the social media platforms and all the digital marketing platforms. But YouTube kind of seems like it's the same now as it was 10 years ago. Do you think that looking at the most recent updates to YouTube and the trends, is it continuing to stay fairly standard? Like if we learn YouTube and invest the time to do it, is it going to stick around and be relevant for us in the next five years or do you think it's starting to change a lot faster and we're going to have to stay up with the uh the education it does seem to change a lot there there's a channel uh called the the creators uh workshop i believe and that's where the youtube uh just comes up with updates they tell you what they're changing exactly so if you want to optimize then 
you know, you want to hear it straight from YouTube and not just some other guy. But um, but things that they change uh, are very, um, very much for the creator to kind of tweak what he's doing. Um, so one example would be I started automating my uh, a few YouTube channels back in uh, uh, 2015. And by that, I mean, uh, there's different levels of automation, but this one was, uh, I was, what I was doing was I was, I would download other people's videos and re-upload upload them to mine. And, and, but th- these were news station type things. These were news, like, um, I would choose a city and then get all of the local news station videos. And, uh, it, I wrote a, I wrote some software to do this by the way, so I wouldn't have to manually do this. So I would pick a topic in a, a city and then I would put that in there. It would scrape all of the relevant videos and it would re-upload them into my channel separately. Boom, 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 boom. Ads on them all. And uh, every, everybody was okay with that until a certain time, right? So YouTube changed their algorithm at one point. Not the search algorithm, but the algorithm that approves your content for monetization. So they they started looking at the actual content of all the videos and and um, and deciding whether this exists on the platform still or not. Basically, just looking for duplications, and then uh, letting the owners know, hey, your stuff has just been re-uploaded. Do you want this to happen? Yes or no? And they, of course, they'd say no. Um, but for my channel, they didn't say no. They just said no. That's cool. I don't care. It's just news. All the, literally all the news stations didn't mind my channel. Uh, so it kept growing and growing and growing. And then finally, my news channel had more views than all of the actual legitimate stations did. Like they were looking at my content instead of the originator's content. And that's when I got an email from, <laughs> from YouTube saying, well, we reviewed your, your content and it looks like... Uh, you know, we don't want to pay for ads. Basically, you can keep your stuff up, but but you're not uh, you're not going to be allowed for to monetize anymore. So, okay, well, that was an experiment that lasted a long time, and it paid out a lot, uh, and it didn't seem to hurt anyone. I mean, <laughs> I think anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. And that was 2015. You said, yeah. So that was 2015, and I automated about four channels, uh, four or five channels. Um, two in which were um, political channels, one one for the right side, one for the left side. It, it's like funding both sides of the war. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I ran those for a good long time, and uh, they were so profitable. They bought me a car. It bought me a lot of. It was you know, a full time type thing, and uh, so and then that got cut off too when they changed that that. A duplication algorithm thing. So I just wiped a bunch of this stuff off the internet. And now when you automate, it needs to be original. You cannot just take someone's content, mix it up, and then put it back online. It has to be completely yours. Which is so. very different than like TikTok, where you can do the uh, the duets and all that. Like half of TikTok is now other people's stuff with a weird face reaction. So it's interesting that what YouTube was allowing 10 years ago, TikTok's allowing right now, and it seems to be working. Yeah. So, so all right. Um, you had an interesting history here, right? Like really interesting history and got started almost on YouTube just from a passion of creating videos, right? 
But I suspect that most of our listeners don't necessarily have a passion for creating videos. They want to figure out how to make money, whether that's monetizing through you know content, whether that's uh, selling a product through different channels. But where you come from a passion of wanting to create content, someone like me that struggles with that needs simple advice. So knowing what you know now from 30 years of creating, and, and, and let me back up for a second. You have created some very high quality content. I know that you owned a studio that used to do movies. You've owned professional podcast studios that you, you know, did full blown production for big podcasts. So you've done really expensive content. You've done homemade, very low budget content. So the listeners probably need to focus on the low budget content. If you are standing on a stage speaking to tens of thousands of people, which technically I think you are right now, and you wanted to give some advice on how to make good, digestible, and interesting content on low budget, what are some of the pieces of advice that you'd give for people to get started? Right. So first off, equipment doesn't matter. It never did. It never will. As long as it's as long as people can see and hear you, that's that's all that needs to be done. So what is important, of course, is the content. What what what's the driving force between behind someone clicking on your stuff? What what are they going to get out of it? You're because you you are taking up someone's time. So what are they going to get? Um, so uh, the the first thing I, I think is if you're knowledgeable and excited about a subject, that's you you got a good end. That's that's. Uh, has to happen first. Uh, and then the second one is, um, you know, audiences want to see passion and authenticity. So, you know, nobody got time for like reading lists and texts on the screen or not, not seeing someone's face. I mean, just seeing another person's face talk to you, that it, it is important psychologically. And then, but say you're not knowledgeable on a subject. You're not an expert on anything. You're just a cool dude, right? So there's something for you too. let research be your topic. And there's plenty of sites like that. If you don't know something, look into it, make videos as you get smarter and tell the audience what it is that you're finding through your research. Literally learn the craft right in front of people watching you learn that craft. It, it, it happens all the time. Uh, it's, a, it's a really awesome group uh, learning kind of experience because you know that you're learning along with them. Uh, and everybody wins. <laughs> so, uh, really, really it's, it comes down to those things, uh, know something or learn something. Well, that's pretty easy because that pretty much covers a hundred percent of all of us. We know it or we're willing to learn it. Yeah. Um, and, and I like what you said about, it's not the equipment that matters. It's the content. One of my favorite YouTube channels out there, and I wish I could get, I've tried to get this guy on this podcast and the Joker will not respond to emails or messages because he, I guess he's just missing the boat, which is a pun when I tell you it is, but for a really interesting YouTube channel, all of you go look at this YouTube channel. It's called Richard Gene, the fishing machine. It is this old redneck from North Alabama. He probably lives 15 miles from me and he was a construction worker and he loved to go fishing. So he would go stand on the riverbank and fish, and he started making these just cheesy YouTube videos telling people what kind of fishing pole he had, how he tied his knot, what he's using for bait, and sucker went viral. Right now, the guy is a full-time YouTuber, and all he does is he gets in his little aluminum green dinghy john boat and goes down to local rivers around here and fishes and records 15-minute videos. And this guy will release a video and have 100,000 views in two days. 
right? It's it's insane, but low quality. There ain't nothing fancy. There's no good lighting. You can barely, you know, hear the guy over the sound of his boat motor engine. It's just really good content, which I think is empowering because sometimes I think that we overthink things, at least I do, and think we have to have all the camera and all the gear and all the, you know, editing ability. No, we can be creating basic content that gets views as long as it's just good content. So, Eric, what are some of the other trends that are happening specifically on YouTube? Like what, what's happening when you're looking, you know, managing your 80 channels and everything that you're doing that's just interesting? Okay, so I, I, I think everybody's fallen into this trap, this rabbit hole where you're on YouTube and you're looking up something that you came there to look up. And then you click on something completely different because it's compelling, it's interesting, it's clickbaity, right? It's like, it's grabbed your attention. And then you watch it and it could be like, you know, um, five reasons why Will Smith hasn't made a movie in five years. And you're like, oh, I wonder. And you click it and you're watching. It doesn't matter, but you you thought it was interesting. And then at the very end, you see related videos. And then it's like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, um, uh, 10 new species of human found in Antarctica. Whoa, really? Click. And it's the same channel, you know you find all these fact channels and these listicle uh, type uh, topic channels. Now wait, listicle, you just did the quote sign. If you guys aren't saying this video, listicle, is that like a YouTube specific word? Uh, so, so it'd be an article containing a list of facts. Okay. Uh, so it's basically a video form of a list article, you know, uh, or a blog or something. And uh, so anyway, the, so this has been an old trend for a long time, but now people have figured out really fascinating ways to automate the uh, these type of um, clickbait, type of uh, fact-based um, short nugget type things on YouTube. And they have a name now. They're called YouTube cash cows. <laughs> so it's literally a cash cow, right? So you set this up. The, the main the main point of setting up one of these is to gain money, is to get royalty, or not royalty, but, you know, um, to automate the videos, get some fun facts out there, and then uh, make money and just continue rinse and repeat. And you can stack these. You can have you can own five cash cows. How rich do you want to be? I don't know. Uh, you get um, anyway. So, but the way that people are automating these that they couldn't do ten years ago is with artificial intelligence. And as AI gets better. These automated videos get better. And so I've jumped on here. <laughs> um, I have one in the uh, meditation mystic guru uh, space, and uh, which I, I don't know a lot about, but it doesn't really matter. It's how smart is the writer? The writer is an AI. He's very smart. And he picks out very, very interesting facts that he knows for sure 100% that a human being will be enthralled with this right so uh you can you can do things like you can uh sign up for uh do a search for jarvis jarvis is a really easy to use ai it's like 30 bucks a month so it's not super cheap but if it's writing your youtube videos that it is very cheap um Anyway, so the the way that automation works now is everything has to be original. So the video has to be original. You have to have an editor putting in B-roll. Uh, you need a voiceover to read the script. 
Um, the AI writes the script. That's really all that is. So you need to get some uh, some VAs or something to kind of put together these videos. But it, essentially, that is a business model that is automated. And absolutely, people do this. If you go to Fiverr and type in YouTube cash cow, you will find people that will completely manage your entire channel from writing to content creation. So to why, are they, why are they doing your channel when they could do their own? That's a good question. I keep wondering that too. <laughs> the <laughs> mysteries really, of the world. I have no idea. Uh, but anyway, um, but you can look at a lot more about this if you're curious. Just get on YouTube and do a search for cash cow. Or you, it has to be YouTube cash cow because there's other types of cash cows in the world. Um, but it's well, fascinating. Do you, do you think that this same AI is valuable for e-com sellers in other content, right? Because if I'm selling, if I'm selling uh, yoga mats or yoga accessories, is there, a, you think, a way to use this AI intelligence to create content, you know, from anything from blogs to social media posts to YouTube videos related to the topic and then using that traffic to affiliate back or to push traffic back to my products? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. With these AI type things, they're, they're broken down into categories. You can have it write uh, a product listing. Uh, you can have it come up with bullet points. You describe your prod, your product to the AI and it will have, it will spit out all kinds of things. It'll give you a blog. It'll give you a YouTube video complete with the introduction where you say, hey, my name's Eric and uh, blah, blah, blah. It comes up with all that stuff. Um, it, it also does rewrites too. Imagine taking a really popular viral video, taking the script, giving it to the AI and just saying, rewrite this, but in a funny way. Or you could tell it, be, be serious or be witty. You can describe how to write, rewrite it. It rewrites it. You make a video. No plagiarism there. It's totally legal. <laughs> and you just upload your video. I'm blown away. Yeah. I'm making notes here. I have ideas. Tomorrow <laughs> when you're back in the office, we're going to powwow on this because <laughs> I got some ideas now. All right. So going back to the back to the basics, you've been doing this for a long time. Do you think that the algorithm and and the strategy is too difficult for brand new newbies to get started creating this content right now? No, I don't think so at all. Use your phone, prop it up, get a tripod, film yourself talking about anything. As long as you, you just have to get started. You know, that's the first thing. And people get scared because, oh, I don't want to show my face or I don't know, I don't have a good camera or maybe my background sucks. It's just, just, do the first one and let it suck so you can do a better one next time and keep keep it up, keep it up. And you don't have to know the inner workings. Just make the videos, put them online. People will f find it. People will find it. I mean, that, there's no doubt about that. It's just you got to make this stuff. Absolutely agree. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Moral of the story here, folks, is there are so many ways to make money online. And whether you're just looking for something completely random, there's a ton of ways to... to create content that you can monetize on. YouTube is definitely a good channel to do that. But also if you're a product seller, you need to understand where people are seeing ads, how people are digesting information and how to use content to drive traffic to your brands. And I think Eric's given us like a ton to think about here as far as creating something. It doesn't have to be super professional, super high quality. You can think outside the box and drive a lot of traffic. I'm sitting here thinking about these cash cow channels. 
man, why are they not putting links in their descriptions for products? Why, are, why Eric, are you and I not doing a cash cow channel right now that focuses on the best gifts for, you know, Christmas 2021 and creating all of these videos that are With pushing Amazon directly link. to Amazon affiliate links? <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude, we could do video. I should stop recording. Eric, we could do <laughs> videos talking about Amazon's top trending products in different categories with affiliate links to all these oh. different categories. And we could use all the Amazon stuff we do right now to pull that. So we can monetize on the channel and on the products. Yeah. All of you listening, just pretend you didn't hear that. Just <laughs> completely delete that out of your mind. Eric, we'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you all for listening to another episode. Look, I know that, that this was a little different episode because we're not directly talking about maybe the thing we talked about last week or the thing we talked about the week before. But that's why I love this. Like this channel is about entrepreneurship. It's about getting started. It's about, you know, e-commerce, digital marketing, whatever it is that that can be done, right? And all of this is related. If you're not interested in digital marketing, but you're selling an e-commerce product, you need to be interested in digital marketing. If you're interested in digital marketing, but not content creation, you better figure out how to create content. So we're trying to think big outside the box here. And folks like Eric are always interesting because I learned stuff on this episode about Eric that I had no clue about. And he's been sitting beside me in the office for five years. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Uh, if y'all like the episode, please make sure to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode.